I thank you for this time together. I thank you for your holy written word. I thank you, Father God, for you being amongst us right now. Precious Holy Spirit, I ask you to move in our midst and touch hearts. Minister to them while they're sitting there. Talk to them in a way that they can receive it. Let these words flow out of my mouth to where it's like sweet honey to them, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, that we get what we came here to get, that you minister to every single person here, that nobody leaves sick, nobody leaves hurting, nobody leaves lost, that we all get what you have for us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. You know, John 3.16 says this. I mean, many of you guys know this, but I'm going to read it out to Amplified. Uh, it says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prizes the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. So we know that Jesus came to bring us eternal life. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul goes on and says it even a little bit different way, but he says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through what Jesus did, through Christ. So God looked over heaven and he looked at his creation and he was sad. He had tears running down his face because he saw his creation being troubled by what we would call sin. As much as God loves people, he equally hates sin, okay? So as he looked over the banner of heaven at his creation, okay, he's seen this destructive force called sin absolutely hurting marriages, hurting people, taking out people, and he wanted to do something about it. So he looked to his son and, hey, son, will you do me a favor? And like most good kids, <laughs> amen, the kids say amen, hallelujah. They say, Father, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. That's something for all you teenagers and all you young people to realize. When mom and dad ask you to do something, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. Wouldn't that change the family dynamics? Amen. You wouldn't have so many parents be shaking their head. What's going on up in here? You was cool at five, but I'm about to kill you at 15. You know what I'm saying? But he said, hey, Dad, whatever you need, whatever you need, man, I'll take care of it for you. So he came to earth, and he took care of it for us. But because God is so good and he's so big, he just didn't take care of the sin problem. He took care of a lot of other things, too, and he left a lot of things for us so we could overcome in life. Friend, I'm telling you, you know, it's something to come to the altar and say yes to Jesus. But guess what? You're going to leave the altar, go get in your car, and there's a bunch of jacked up people around. They didn't get saved. You did. Your bank didn't get saved. Your bills didn't get saved. Your job didn't get saved. All that stuff's still bad sometimes. Your family members, you know, they can be you know, pretty ugly. Friends can be pretty ugly. There can be a lot of ugly going on in your life. So that didn't change. So you, you're going to step away from the altar and you're going to have all this zeal and excitement. Oh, God, he touched me. I'm changed. Well, guess what? When you go back to the world you live in, they're not going to have a big party. And say, whoop, whoop, you did, bro. Yeah, man, I can't hang out with y'all no more, man, because y'all are doing some stuff. What? Who you think you're better than I? I mean, you get, you get persecuted. You get chastised. When they should be going, oh, man, you changed your life? Way to go. That don't happen, okay, most of the time. You may have a few. But the reality is, is you got to leave the altar, and now you got to walk this out and be successful just like Jesus did. Amen? So that's what I want to do is I want to spend some time talking about that because Second Peter said this. Now, Peter was a disciple. He walked with Jesus on the earth. So I think it's really good to hear what he has to say. And this is what he said in 2 Peter 1, chapter 2. He said, or verse 2, 1, 2. 
He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us, that's all of us, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great precious promises, that through these you, me, may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He is giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness, so we can actually escape the corruption of this world. If you're going to walk through this life, and you're going to walk through this life the way Jesus walked through this life, and I would think everybody showed up with maybe some type of idea that that would be good if I could do that, and you can, okay? We're going to have to learn about all these good things He left us, and you've got to learn how to use them. I mean, Jesus didn't just show up and go, automatically, I'm a son of God, I can do this. No, 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 my friend. No, that's not how it worked. Jesus sent, came to the earth to bring salvation to all that would believe in him, eternal life, made right with God. But he also gave us all things that pertain to life and godliness because he knew you would leave the altar and you live in a world and you got to know how to get through it. I mean, guys, when you come to church, sometimes, man, the pressure, the problems can tend to, you know, maybe take a back seat and you feel the presence of God come in and you you begin to sing songs and you feel that relief and that it just feels so good but then you leave and, and you know what that hallway's like at school or you know what the pressures are waiting you at home you know the bill collectors you know the the people you owe or, or whatever it may be you know what I'm saying and then that can become such a big thing that it can actually just drown out what happened in 30 minutes to an hour and then we can just give back into that God don't want that. Jesus didn't want that. And he knew that you would need what he had to give. Hallelujah. So Jesus was sent to bring heaven to earth, not just pay for our sins. Though that would have been enough. Wouldn't y'all agree? I mean, if he just came to pay for our sins and give us access to God and be able to go to heaven, hey, I'm game with that. Hey, give me five. Let's do it. I'm ready. You know. But he also came and gave us everything that heaven possessed. He gave us access to healing, peace, joy, a sound mind, blessing, deliverance, freedom, and faith. And today I want to talk about faith. I believe this is one of the main things that Jesus wanted us to get a hold of because faith is what accesses what he left for us. If you're going to get joy in your life, you're going to have to do it by faith. Because sometimes we receive joy before it actually looks joyous. <laughs> there's times that we receive deliverance before we're actually out of the situation, okay? It's by faith. We went last night and, um, to one of those Pentecostal churches. Come on. That means at 9 o'clock, it started at 6, everybody comes to the altar. Hey, you, back there, wake up. Get up here to the altar right now. We all coming to the altar, which is a good thing. I liked it. But in that message, this young lady brought a word that was, it was really good. But she talked about how she was diagnosed with, uh, was it leukemia? Leukemia, okay. And, uh, of course, that's no cure. There's no cure for leukemia, okay. That means that's, that's really a death sentence when you get leukemia, all right. That don't mean you're going to die right away, but it, it, it means you're going to start deteriorating. But she talked about how she put her faith in God and wouldn't let go. And in two years, or no, it was eight months, God healed her and delivered her from that, and she's been set free for two years. But it was her faith in a God that wanted to bring her something, okay? And I want to talk about that because a lot of times we, we imagine that we have faith. We imagine that we have trust in our great God. But sometimes you, 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 you're not 
and I don't want to say you're not there, but there is some things that are kind of hindering that, and I want to talk about those today, okay? To where sometimes when you're not getting what, it's just like if you're not getting to your destination that you set out to get to, are you just going to keep driving? No, you're going to stop, and you may ask for, hey, man, did I make a wrong turn or something? Oh, yeah, bro, you did, man. You just need to go up here and take a left, and you'd be right on track. And that's the same thing with God. We go to Him. God, why, why am I not getting my answer? Why is it not coming? I know you promised it. I know it's for me. You left it. Jesus, I mean, where's it? God, what have I done? Oh, Nathan, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know, you need to quit doing this. You need to watch this right here. The devil's coming in. He'll tell you. You know what I'm saying? Like a good, loving parent. So anyway, we're going to look at that today. But first, let's go to Mark 11, 22. And Jesus says something to his disciples that I think is so amazing. Now, this statement that I'm about to say came out of a... Um, uh, uh, something that had happened, a sequence of events that had happened before they got to this particular verse here. Jesus had came up, and he had saw a fig tree, and he was hungry. And he saw the fig tree, but the fig tree didn't have no figs on it. That means it wasn't producing. So Jesus looked at the fig tree, and he cursed it. And he said, you'll never bear fruit again. And so they walked on to the next city. And I'm sure the disciples heard that, just like if you was walking with me, and I walked up to a tree, and I just said, there you go. You're cursed. You will never bring fruit again. You'd probably look at me and maybe not say nothing, but have a few thoughts, and then we'd probably keep walking, okay? Well, as we left the city to go back by the fig tree, they noticed because they're still thinking, I think he's crazy, <laughs> but we're just going to glance anyway just to make sure, you know? And the fig tree had withered away, all right? So it caught their attention, and Jesus knew it did. So Jesus said, hey, hey, guys, hey, <laughs> listen to me. He answered them because they, 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 they brought it up. They said, hey, man, look, the, the tree's been withered away. He said, okay, well, look, the reason why I did is because you got to have faith in who? Faith in God. For surely I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt into, in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Man, that is a beautiful set of scriptures there. That means whatever you're going through, you can ask God to do something about it, and he said he would. Ain't that good? I mean, that's amazing, okay? And not only did Jesus say, look, did you notice that Jesus didn't even bring up the fig tree? He said, hey, I'm going to give you, we're gonna go, you have faith in God, you can say to this mountain. Mountain's bigger than a tree, right? If you have faith in God, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and it'll be, be removed. But see, the problem with faith is the only way faith is growing or the only way faith gets strong is you've got to spend time with God. Because you ain't going to have trust in somebody you don't know. You ain't going to do it. I mean, I'm telling you right now. I mean, if I was to say to somebody, like I was to say to Lori, okay, Lori, I'm going to give you a million dollars, okay? Well, she knows me. So Lori's going to leave this church knowing <laughs> she's going to get a million dollars. She knows I don't lie. She knows me. But now, if I was to see my brother here, and I was to say, hey, man, I'm going to give you and your family a million dollars. Now, look, they would, he won't shake my hand now, man. All right, brother. Hey, man. But, but this brother and the family would leave, and he'd probably go, hmm, you know, that sounded good. <laughs> I know we could use that million dollars. I know that'd be pretty good. But he would probably have some question marks. Why? Because he really don't know me. You follow what I'm saying? She knows me, he don't know me. And it's the same thing in churches all over the world. People receive Jesus as the Lord, but they don't know him personally. 
And that way, when you go to pray, you pray with question marks. Wonder if he will. I wonder if he heard me. I know he said it. I know he did it for that guy, but will he, will he really do it for me? And the answer is always yes. Every single time he'll do it for you. And that's what I want to do today. I want to encourage us to have faith in God, faith in him, faith in his word. How many of you would like to get the results Jesus got every day of your life, of his life? You'd like to get his results. You know, he never had a day he woke up that there wasn't something good happening. I mean, what if you went to work and there was a few sick people and you just, boom, laid hands on them and got healed just like that? What if your school that you go to, all right, everybody was healed? Everybody was perfectly okay? Jesus went places and healed multitudes. He changed cities, okay? Wouldn't you like to be able to do that every day? What if the church really looked like Jesus every day? It would be amazing, wouldn't it? Things would actually change. How many of you know that it can? It can, and it's supposed to. That's why we're on this little journey here, to just get the mind and heart of Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus was a baby. Y'all know that, right? He was a young little baby at one time. Then he was a young child. Then he was a teenager. And then he was a young adult. And then he become an adult. Which many of y'all think y'all arrived at adulthood, right? <laughs> Come on, hallelujah. No, he had to go through the same thing that you guys go through. At every stage, he had to go through it just like you do. Every single stage. And it just didn't happen for him. You know what I mean? I like he ain't had no hot chicks wanting to check him out. Come on. Oh, there wasn't no pretty women in that day? Oh, no, there wasn't no pretty women at, you know, 18 or 19. I'm sure they were just all, you know, uh-uh-uh-uh. And you're going to tell me Jesus didn't look good? Well, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he got some invitations. I'm sure he got hit on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he got the same temptations that we get. He had the temptation to go and do things wrong in his teenage years. He got the temptations to maybe leave the family business and go do some other stuff in his 20s. He had temptations to go and do things that we all have temptations. Sometimes we picture Jesus as his perfect person. Well, he was perfect, but he didn't do any, he wasn't attempted to do anything wrong. Yes, he was. But he didn't do it because he had faith in God. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus used his faith in God to overcome every storm, struggle, temptation, attack of the enemy that came in his way. We will have to do the same thing if we're going to win in life. And that's my goal as a pastor. I'm winning in life. I'm going to continue to win in life. And I just want to coach you into winning, okay? This is how you win, what I'm about to share with you today. If you want to win as a Christian, what I'm about to give you, you will be on your pathway to victory, my friend, okay? If you'll take it and you'll, you'll, you'll apply it in your life, hallelujah. But with everything in life, there are two sides, and that is no different with faith. There is faith in God, but faith has an opposite. Does anybody know what it is? Fear. 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 Faith has an opposite in this fear. Fear is a destructive force that wills to rob us of the faith or the trust that we have in God's word over any situation of our lives. That means when you have the opportunity to trust God, you know when you're presented with a problem, you're presented with a bad report or something, you have the automatic tendency to what? Drift to the negative. Okay, why? Because that's fear. Fear is trying to pull you on this side. Okay, because the devil knows that if he can get you over here in fear, then he's going to be able to give you what you're fearing. Okay, but then there's a force over here called faith. And that's why you come to church. That's why you get in small groups. That's why you get around believers. That way you can hear these, these words of encouragement because God's going to be doing this. 
pulling you over here to faith. No, 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 no. I promise not to leave you. No, I promise to give you what you need, but you got to get over here, okay? And let me give it to you. So there's two forces pulling at you all the time. The enemy uses fear to get access to our lives and then to bring them what they fear. He wants to torment us. How many of you here today have ever experienced some element of fear or torment? I mean, really, maybe the fear of not knowing where you're going to be one day, where you're going to work, which, you, you know, fear of a report or something like that. Fear comes to us all and it will try to take us out. It is a force. It is a feeling. I'm telling you, man. I mean, you know, you know, it's funny that I went on there and y'all, maybe y'all have done this, but I, and I'm not going to read all of them. But I did a little, uh, you know, a little Google search. You know, you don't have to study much nowadays. You just Google. My gosh, man. I got to meet that guy, Google. A lot of homework. Wouldn't y'all agree? Google man does some work. Or Google woman, whoever. Maybe a Google team. I don't know. Probably a team. I don't know how they get all this information. Wow. They're working hard, man. They're working hard. But, man, I was thinking, man, all the fears and the phobias. Look at this. Do y'all see this? Okay. These are, these are fear of walking, <laughs> fear of dust, fear of water. You know, people are, they're scared. You know, they're going to be drowned. Fear of humans. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's trouble. That's trouble. Fear of being dirty. How about this? Fear of being struck by lightning. You ever bad weather, you got to go get somebody to car? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there was some thunder. All right, it's going to be a minute. Let's go get it. Ah! Fear of the dark. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Big, strong men, got them muscles. Hey, baby, will you go get this out of the car? Yeah, mama, I got you. <laughs> oh, we might kind of walk, you know, walk like we got the chest boat out to the car, but we looking. We looking. And we get it, you know, we get the stuff in the car, and then we see the doorway over there, and we shut Okay, here we go. Let's just try it over here. But you ain't got no fear. Fear of books. This is a good one right here. Fear of sitting. <laughs> Hang on, guys. I'm going to let y'all stand in just a minute. But my point is, guys, I mean, fear, 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 fear. Who's behind this right here? I mean, come on. I'm sure they keep adding to this list. And I just gave you the English version. I mean, if you want the uh, fear of novelty, it's neophobia. neophobia. If you want the fear of fog, nebulophobia. I mean, I, I would not, what are you talking about, man? Even if I was wanting to be a psychologist or something like that, give me the right side version to study. Why do I, that, no, no, uh-uh. Like when I go to a doctor, I say, hey, doc, talk English, English to this guy, English, okay? Don't be giving me them big, long words. I don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about all the big, long words. Most people don't. When you're having lunch with your buddies, y'all can talk big words. But I ain't in your big word category. Fear of beards. Wow. Beards. I'm sure fear of beards in here too. Fear of eating. Man, this is one. Fear of everything. <laughs> wow. But that tops them all off. But my point is, this is studies probably done on people that do have these things going on in their life. And I'm not saying they're not real. And by all means, I'm not laughing at them, and I'm not calling you know, you know what? If you're scared, you're scared. It's a real thing. I just want to bring you an antidote, a medicine, a freedom, 
that you don't have to live like that. And I'll be honest with you, with all this stuff going on with, you know, the, the corona, not the beer, the virus, it does make you think. Is somebody going to come up and give you, shaking your hand? <laughs> really? <laughs> be hugging your neck. Oh, you got to be careful. You got to be wisdom. Hallelujah. But we don't want to do a fear. Fear brings torment. Fear, fear will say this, you're not going to make it. There's no hope. There's no way out. Fear does not change your bad situation around. It makes it worse. It will only get worse. But faith in God will kick the fear's butt. I know you can't see it, but you know you might want to kick it. You know what I'm saying? But faith will do it. Faith in God. And faith in God will say, you will make it. I got this. Brings hope. Brings a way out. Faith in God will change your bad situation around for your good, no matter how bad it is. I mean, God is a master at taking our crap. Can you say that in church? I'm sorry. Or bad stuff. Bad stuff. And turn it around to good. I mean, half of y'all that are in here right now, man, you got some junk in your life and you might have felt bad and said, man, I need to go to church today. Man, you know what? I ain't really doing right. You know what I mean? A lot of times it's our junk that drives us to church. Come on. You know it's true, man. You know, you have a bad week. You do something bad and... And you go, oh, man, you know what? I'm going to church this week. You know, man, I need it. I need it, okay? And then you get in here, and you find out that God loves you just like you are, and he's going to help you. He's not against you. Now, there is some church folks. We did a poll. Have y'all seen my poll yeah. on Facebook? Some of you church members, y'all, y'all, y'all commented on it. But the poll was, why do so many people fall out or turn away from going to church? Please answer honestly. I'm doing a study. And we had a lot of good, honest Things said. And I mean, it touched my heart, really, because a lot of it's true in the American church. Judging, hypocrisy, jumping from church to church. I mean, just whatever. I mean, just, just, it's just sad, you know. Other members hurting other members. I've come to realize that the reason why we have more small churches, and I'm putting myself in that category, so here we go. Hallelujah. The reason why we have a lot of small churches is because we have a lot of people that want it their way. We have a lot of people that get offended. Well, they just ain't doing what I want them to do. I think church should be done like this. I'm going over here. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'll go start something bigger than theirs. We let offense drive us to go do things. I'm serious. I've come to realize that. I really do. I don't judge big churches. I go, man, wow. How did y'all do it? How did you keep that many people in the room? Wow. Because we know it wasn't by your preaching. We know it wasn't by your worship team. Because people are in the house. And people get mad at people. I mean, man, I've heard some really good preachers. But I can guarantee you their exit door is about as big as their front door. Amen? Because people get upset. People get mad. And I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. Okay? The devil is a liar. We want to be a church that loves people. We want the people in the church to love people. We want people, when they come in here, they don't see clicks. That was another thing that they said. Clicks. Got the clicks in the church. Okay? Come on, man. Let's be a church that's full of the power of God. That when they walk into the house, they get delivered from what they have. Amen? We don't add to their mess. We, get, we see deliverance from their mess. I mean, man, come on, man. When I come to church, I need something from God. And maybe you're the person I'm going to get it from. Maybe God will use you to get something to me before he ever preaches, before I ever sing a song. But if you come to church with your bad attitude and you're, you're, you know, you're mad at somebody, 
It's best for you to stay at home or stay in the car. Because you're going to hurt somebody. Hurt people, hurt people. But anyway, I'll finish my study one day. I think we're still going to keep that rolling a little bit. I may preach a sermon on that. Hallelujah. Because I'm telling you, I don't want this church to look nothing like what they're talking about. Because they're being raw and real. These people, are, it's unfiltered. It's, you know, Facebook's unfiltered. <laughs> people going to tell you what they want. Huh? You know? But I mean, seriously, I like that because it's given me a picture of what I don't want to be. It's given me a picture of the people that I want us to be. And we're going to fight for it. Because I'm going to be honest with you. If our church begins to look anything like that, you'll show up one Sunday and there won't be nobody here. I'm gone. I am not going to be a part of a church like that. Because that's the kind of church right there that's sending a lot of people to hell. It's running people away from God. And I'm going to tell you something. If we can't be a church that brings people to Jesus, we don't need to be in the church business. Because it's about loving people. And wrapping your arms around those that are successful, those that are not. Those that have a lot, those that don't have anything. There is no respect to persons. With that being said, there's a young lady fighting for her life right now at Piedmont Henry. Zashira. Her and her family were a member of this church. Um, they, they launched out to start their own work. And uh, because you give and you're so generous in your giving, we was able to take them some groceries. We was able to buy them some food. We actually went up there and, and prayed for Zashira. Um, and spent some time with Edwin, spent some time with him. Um, nobody likes to see their daughter on a deathbed. And we're going to pray before I go to the rest of the service, because I, I meant to do that before the service, but she is right now currently fighting for her life. She is inches away from going to heaven, which, again, I'm not against at all. Heaven's a beautiful place. She's too young. She's called to do something. Amen? And she reached out to Lori, and she was just wanting us to pray for her today. I mean, they've been so, they've, they've been so kind to even let us become into, into their world. You know, sometimes when people leave the church, they don't even ever contact you no more. Not here. We're not going to have that. We have people that's left this church and we have great relationships with. Amen? But let's, play, let's pray for uh, Zashira. Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And we lift up Zashira right now, Father. And we just pray, Father God, right now that you touch her body. You continue the work of healing in her body. That she will live and not die to declare the works of Jesus. I thank you right now, Father God, that no weapon formed against her shall prosper. Greater is he that's on the inside of her than he that's in the world. Thank you, Lord, for raising her up in Jesus' name. Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name. Death, we bind you. Sickness, disease, we bind you in Jesus' name. And we call her body healed in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Fear brings torment, guys. It brings torment. Faith in God will change your bad situation around for your good, no matter how bad it is. Faith in God's Word is a game changer, and it will change your position in the game of life. If you're sick, it will bring you healing. Poor, it can bring you a blessing. Depressed, it will bring you peace. Sadness, it can bring you joy. Addicted, it can bring you freedom. Faith versus fear is the title of the message today. One is going to win in your life. One will win in your life. The question you have to answer and I have to answer is which one is going to win in our lives? Only you have the power of that. I mean, it's just like this coronavirus that we have right now going on. Um, you know, I actually brought some things about that too because it is a big deal right now. I mean, you're hearing it every single day. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it's not a serious issue and we shouldn't use wisdom. We should. Okay. 
but as from a church standpoint and from a follower of Christ, we need to have a different perspective than the world has when it comes to things like this. And I want to speak into that just for a minute that we don't need to view the coronavirus as some big, amazing, you know, God that's going to sweep the land and wipe everybody out. We will not all die from the coronavirus, okay? That's a prophecy from the pulpit of Revolution Church. You and I are not going to die from the coronavirus, okay? But I feel like as a church, we need to rise up and begin to speak to the coronavirus and tell the coronavirus where it needs to go, okay? That's what the church should be doing, and the church is, okay? There's a lot of people, you know, including your church and probably a lot of you guys. But the coronavirus right now, uh, they've got a hundred, and this is the latest, now there's a little bit maybe changed, but this is the latest of yesterday, 105,529 coronavirus cases. There's been 3,562 deaths. Too many. Way too many. In the U.S. alone, we've had 335 cases, and we've had a total of people that's died. Now, I think there might be some more that might have died today, but 17 as of yesterday okay it's still way too many way too many there's three thousand over three thousand in china that have died from this okay i say all that to say this that and i'm getting to read something to you right here so so far the new coronavirus has led to more than one hundred thousand illnesses and more than three thousand deaths worldwide but that's nothing compared to the flu also called influenza in the U.S. alone, the flu has killed an estimated 30, or caused an estimated 32 million illnesses, 310,000 hospitalizations, and 18,000 deaths in 2019 alone. Okay? My point is, is this right here. Listen to me. Listen to me real quick. As much as I love all the people that work for news and stuff like that, they can be channels for the enemy to spread fear across the land at a very rapid pace. And if the devil can get fear into the hearts of people, in the hearts of a country, the hearts of, in a nation, it gives him access to continue to sweep things that we don't need to be sweeping across the land. Yeah. It gives him access. So, and I'm not, and again, a lot of them are just doing it because they care, okay? A lot of them, they're doing it because they want everybody to, and we should take preventive things. But if you're standing in line to get hand sanitizing, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. If you're paying $5 for a bottle of water, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus right now. You have a God that will take care of you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, with that being said, if the coronavirus was in the building over there, I'm not saying, hey, let's go over there. Man, we're children of God. That stuff ain't going to bother me. Let's go. No, that's called stupidity. That's tempting God, and you don't do that, okay? But we're not going to fear something that's coming from the devil, amen? Because we have a God. We have a Jesus that his name is above every name, and his name, the last time I checked, is above the coronavirus. And that stuff is going to bow in Jesus' name. So we don't let that stuff bother us in Jesus' name. I just wanted to say that because, man, guys, it is a real thing right now. Listen, just do this. Pray, pray, pray. Speak life over this country of ours. Because 17 people have died. That is a big deal, and we don't want that to happen. We don't, we don't want any more people to die. But, man, we need to pray against the flu. <laughs> I mean, it's wiping out thousands of people every year, okay? So let it be an awareness that we speak against it and we have faith in God, not fear. We have two options when faced with anything in life. And I want to close with this right here. 
We have two options when we're faced with faith or fear. And I want to read this story out of Matthew 14, 22 through 33. And I'm going to kind of go through it pretty quick because i got some things I want to get to. But in verse 22, it says, Immediately he directed the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, while he sent the crowds away. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. It's the same thing we need to be doing. There's a key to having stronger faith. Get alone and pray. When it was evening, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was already a long distance from land, tossed and battered by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, 3 to 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out with what? In fear. Now, see, that, that last watch of the night, the fourth watch of the night, what they would do is, in their day, they would break down from six to six, like in, in a, you know, watches, like three-hour segments. Kind of like we break down a football game, guys. You got the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter. Well, they were in the fourth quarter. Now, how many of you know that sometimes the greatest memories of any game you watch happen in the fourth quarter? How many of you know that some of the greatest champions have come out of what they did in the fourth quarter? The fourth quarter is usually something that people play over and over because that's when champions are made. Amen? That's where Super Bowls are won. World Series are won. You know, it's just, you know, just a little note there. Hallelujah. They thought it was a ghost, so they cried out with fear. But immediately he spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Don't be what? Afraid. Now, guys, look, they're on a boat. Now, I don't know what size boat this is, but I'm telling you, there was winds, there was waves. There were, I mean, this thing was going crazy, okay? Many of us, when we're on a big boat, you know, a carnival cruise line, and the thing starts shaking a little bit, we want to walk outside and see what's going on. Their boat is rocking, man. This is going crazy. And on top of that, they got a guy out there saying, hey, hey, whoa, it's cool, we're good. That, that wasn't common for people to walk on water, just like it wouldn't be common today. I start walking across Lake Lanier. Oh, bro, it's okay, no problem, bro, take it easy. No, I'd be all over YouTube just like that, man, man. <laughs> You know, they'd be, you know, what am I drinking? <laughs> What's in this stuff? Man, what is that out there? You know, there would be some crazy stuff going on. That was happening in that day. With them, they'd like, whoa, what's going on? So Peter replied to him, Lord, if it is really you, command me to, to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the effects of the wind, he was frightened and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, friend, what I want you to know right here is even though we have the disciples going through this storm and wind and all that, Jesus is called in, in John chapter 1, the Word of God. So even when the Word of God came walking on the water and was standing in the midst of the storm, did you notice that the storm didn't stop? Did you know the wind didn't stop blowing? Did you know that the water didn't stop raging? Nothing changed, but the Word of God standing right there. What's that say? It says that there's going to be times that you get the Word of God in your situation, and your situation may not change right then. But that ain't the end of the story, because it's getting ready to change. Just like if you'll hang on to Jesus, no matter what you're going through, that Word that you're hanging on to will change your situation. You just got to hang on. Hang on to it. He goes on to say, well, go ahead and come, Peter. So Peter starts walking on the water, I might add. He did start walking on the water, okay? He didn't immediately sink. So he was walking on the water. No, he wasn't. He was walking on the word come. Just like Jesus was walking on the word, not the water, okay? But he was the word. So Peter starts walking. He begins to sink. And he says, Lord, save me. Is that not something that we should say sometimes? 
when we're going through something, Lord, save me. What did Jesus do? Kick him in the teeth? Say, you idiots, you should have believed me more. What's wrong with you, dog? All the stuff you've done last week. I've seen what you did, how you've been acting, how you've been living. That's why you're sinking right there. Matter of fact, get down there. Go ahead and sink. Hey, guys, we can do this without him. He's not that big a deal now. It's only 11 of us, but we're going to do this. No, Jesus did not do that, and he will never do that. Jesus is with you guys. He's going to help you, but we've got to listen to him. We've got to draw closer to him. It goes on to say this. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the effects of the wind, he was frightened, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, immediately Jesus extended his hand and called him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So he saves him, gets him in the boat, and then he has a teaching moment for him. And he said, Peter, this is why you were sinking. You doubted me. Doubt opened up the door for fear and the devil to come in and begin to pull you under. Listen to me, friend. I'm telling you, you need to get a revelation of this. When you are going in the bad direction, when you're going the opposite direction of faith, you need to say, Lord, save me. And then you need to say, Lord, teach me. Teach me, Lord. What caused me to go that way? And really, guys, a lot of us don't need some revelation. It'd be like, you know what? You, you're spending too much money. <laughs> you're in debt. Could you, like, stop spending money? You know what I'm saying? Okay? You're in a bad relationship. Could you kind of check in with me before you start doing something again? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's just some things that are obvious, but he'll still save you. And he'll talk to you about the obvious. But he'll also talk to you about things maybe you didn't see. Because, guys, you need to know that while the Word gets implanted into your life and into your bad situation, what you can't see is more real than what you can see. It just takes what you can't see a little bit of time to work on what you can see. And if you'll stick with it long enough, what you see will change. Amen? Every time it will change. You just don't need to give up. Don't let fear, don't let that stuff get a hold of you. So he said, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him. Oh, finally. <laughs> Hello. Okay. With an awe-inspired reverence saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Just like many of you. Sometimes I think in that waiting period, when things are still going crazy around us, we've asked God to do something. He is beginning to work, even though we can't see it, because he's always doing way more than you think he is. And he's working. He's doing some things. In that moment, when things are still going crazy, have you ever noticed that you're still seeking God pretty intensely? Have you noticed that your mind's on God a little bit more because the pressure's real? But it's almost like when the pressure is relieved and you're on dry land, you begin to start saying, whew, okay, that was over. Oh, let's just take it easy now. We good. We good. And y'all kind of get back into your old way of life, drifting again away from being that hungry person that needed God to help you and get you out of that bad situation. So I think sometimes when you're in that struggle, when you're in that thing and you're looking in the Scriptures and you're looking to God, oh, man, I believe Daddy just goes, man, look at my child. I love my baby. You go, girl. You go, bud. Come on, man, do it. We got to stay in that mindset all the time because the devil never rests. The, never, the devil never says, hey, look, I'm just going to park here for a little while. I'm good. I'm not going to mess with nobody today. No, 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 no. He's constantly trying to do some things against our life. So what I want to do, guys, real quick, is I want you to just get a picture of a boxing rink. Can you all see that? I'm in one corner. I'm just kidding. I'm not in the corner. 
But in corner one is the devil himself. There's fear, there's sickness, there's storms, there's wind. There's lack, there's depression, there's raging storms. There's death, loneliness, anger, lust, coronavirus, cancer, divorce, doubt, addiction. All this is in that corner right over there. But in corner number two, there's somebody else in that corner. And we've got to pick which corner that we're going to be a part of. We can go over here to this corner number one, which has all the doom and gloom and everything that's not going to be good for us. Or we can come over here to corner number two, which is the King of Kings, the great I am, Jesus, the name above all names. Every name in corner one must bow to the name of Jesus, that you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. If God be for you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That's this corner right over here. And that's what God is wanting to bring us to. Hey, guys, I know you're jacked up. I know you're going through some things. But get out of corner number one. And get over here where I can start doing some stuff in your life. And I promise you, if you will do it, if you will just do it, just do it. Just do it. Pick that corner number two and watch what happens in your life. Watch what starts happening into the world. Because if we take the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am, to where we are working, where we're living, where we're abiding, I promise you, change is going to happen. Look at your problems is just another opportunity for God to get exalted. Don't run from the problem, run to the problem. But if you're the problem, then you ask God to help you change. Because a lot of us get in our own way. Our mouth is what trips us up more than anything. I don't know if we're going to make it. Oh, man, I don't know if we're going to do it. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it. You know what? You say it, you believe it, you have it. Your words are powerful. And they are, they, they are a force to be reckoned with. In Psalms 56.3, it says this. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust and faith in you. When I'm afraid, I will put my faith and trust in you. Friend, I asked you earlier, is there anything that's ever kind of brought you to fear and anxiety or whatever? And many of you guys raised your hand. But that scripture right there tells us that when I am afraid, that is implying that everybody in this room is going to have a temptation to be afraid. Everybody in this room. You may be there right now. There may be something in your life that may just cause you to be afraid. I know for me a few years ago, obviously when, we, when me and Belinda walked through some of the things we walked through with her, one of the things that really was kind of fear was knocking on the door of my heart was how was I going to be able to pay for all this? Because we had no insurance. And what she walked through was pretty intense. And it was going to take thousands of dollars. And I remember, I mean, staying up late at night while she's sleeping, and, I, and fear was bombarding me. It was a real feeling, man. I was having a hard time sleeping. I mean, I was having a hard time even functioning. And I know what that feels like. But as I continued in that place of hurt, in that place of fear, I continued to look to God by the grace of God. It wasn't because I'm a super Christian at all. I just needed help. And through that desperate need of help, I've seen God, not instantly, but over time, begin to bring relief, to bring relief. I mean, I could have resulted to some other sources of peace. I mean, I came from a world of drinking and partying and stuff, and, and a lot of times when I drank and smoked pot, it was to get a sense of relaxation, a sense of peace. Because when you drink and, and you, you do drugs, it does take you into a world. Sometimes it's not, you're not facing the real world. 
You're facing this fake phony world. So I could have resulted to some of that. There was other alternatives than just trusting God and staying up and, and you know, trying to watch a playoff game. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here on Google, you know, Google. Me and you know, Google's best friend. So I'm Googling everything to try to figure out how I could pay for this. But it wasn't until I just began to start trusting him and quit Googling <laughs> that relief started happening. And again, it wasn't overnight, guys. It was months before it all was taken care of. Months. All right? And I just kept trusting God. Going to the hospital and another procedure was to be done. I'm thinking, how am I going to pay for this? <laughs> Walk in there. Hey, how you done? Uh, room two. Okay. All right, here we go. I mean, I just felt like a, a really just a you know, zombie walking around because I didn't know. I figured sooner or later we're going to show up and they're going to go, uh, we can't help you. <laughs> Your bill's too high. And they could have. I'm glad they didn't. But I kept trusting God. And this is what I want you to do. Because there was always something that would rise up in me and would say, Nathan, I'm with you, man. We're going to do this. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And friend, I tell you, we made it through there. You know, Isaiah says this, a beautiful, powerful scripture. Isaiah 41.10 as we close. Isaiah said, Do not fear anything, for I am with you. This is God talking. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, of salvation. He's with you guys. God will never leave you nor forsake you. If there's one place you never, ever need not to run from, it is God. Period. And the church is not God, but the church is a place where He has set up Himself for us to represent Him on the earth. And I would say this with all my heart, if you are not part of a church, or even if you're a part of this church, not only just come to church, but get involved. Get involved to make a difference. Be a part of a family. I, I, mean, I believe that with all my heart, man. I mean, you need to be a part of a family, guys. It ain't about that we all see eye to eye on everything. I mean, come on, get real. You think we're going to, really? I mean, you go to a family reunion, you think you're all sitting there seeing eye to eye on everything? No. Just bring it up. Who are you going to vote for? Oh, man, we got a fight going on right there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you saying? I mean it don't take much because there's, there's indifferences. But see, it's those indifferences that really can make us stronger. Because if we was all alike, guess what? That would be boring. But we're not all alike. But you need to get in a family that cares about you and that will help you. And that's why every time we write a check and any time we're able to take groceries or food or help somebody, you know, pay for something, it brings me great joy because would they have got that if they weren't part of a family? Maybe, maybe not. But I want that to grow. I want our influence to grow more out there, but it first has to start right here. And it takes all of us to make this happen, all of us. So today, let's choose faith over fear. Let's choose that we're going to trust God over the things of this world. So will you pray with me? Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you and praise you for the word of God. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying on that cross for me so I can have life, so we can have life, eternal life. But I thank you, Jesus, for also coming that I can have faith like you had. That I can trust God the way you trust God. I thank you, Jesus, 
for all the many things that you've given to me and for me so I can live this life successful. Not just live this life and then die and go to heaven, but I can literally live victorious in this life right now. And I thank you, Lord, for each and every person in this room. I pray, Father God, that they would leave here today with a sense of faith in their heart that I'm going after you, Jesus. And that they will let you lead them into a victorious life. You know, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I really don't know Christ. I've never made Christ the Lord of my life. It starts right there. You've got to receive Jesus as your Lord before anything else is going to work in your life. So if you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus and I want to know him right now, I just want you to be bold. We're not going to call you out, but just raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? That's all we're going to do is pray for you. If you're lost and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, say, count me in. I want, I want you to pray for me. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I was walking with God at one time in my life, but I've kind of come to church today and realized, you know what? I'm not necessarily walking with Christ like I once did. And I'd like to make a new dedication to the Lord. Just renew your dedication that you made at one time with the Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, count me in. I see that hand. Hallelujah. Anybody else? You just want to make a rededication. You want to reaffirm your faith to Christ. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Just making a new commitment to God. It's the best decision you could ever do. I see the hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, with that being said, can we all stand and let's all pray together. Nobody prays alone. Because, guys, there, was, there were several people raised their hand, and I really believe with all my heart that as we pray, it's not necessarily that the prayer is what's going to change your heart. I believe you've raised your hand and you've already said that, hey, look, you've already made the change. Amen? And I believe God's already working on you. So if you would, let's just pray this together. And let's, let's see God do a work. And if you did mean to raise your hand and you didn't, just say the prayer, man, and watch God do a work in your life. This is between you and God, not you and man. So say this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now, and I ask you for a new fire, for a fresh touch. I commit myself to you right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. And cleanse me of all the things I've been doing wrong. And Jesus, I say thank you for accepting me back today into the family of God. If y'all could put your hands together, guys, because many people prayed. Hallelujah.